Hello, this is Christine Peterson with A Toolkit for a Better Life. In this podcast, we will focus on how our bodies and our minds work and give you various tips and tricks, tools and techniques for understanding yourself, being happier in yourself and living a better life. Every week, we will discuss different topics that might interest you and help you think differently to change the way you approach life and yourself. We talk about the little things that make a big difference. Today I'm talking with Mason de Chauchot, my friend and colleague who shares many of my interests in how our minds and bodies function and how small changes can make a big difference in how we live our lives. So Mason, hello, how are you today? Fine. Good, me too. I'm looking forward to today. This is a continuation of our talk from last week. We're talking about the importance of being present. Um, is being present really so important? And why would it be so important? And first of all, what does it mean to be present? Are we present if we are reminiscing, remembering? Are we present if we are planning our future? Are we pre present if we're telling a story? What's your take on this, Mason? There's a wonderful, very basic, but very important questions. And they go right to the heart of the matter. I, I think we need to distinguish between the present, which is the now, uh, which is the time now, and being present, which is a state of being that is conscious of the now. There are some amusing clocks, you know, timepieces, which indicate that the time is always now. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah, they're um, fun, actually. <laughs> these, of course, are, not to, are, are, are really basically to remind us that the present is always here and happening. Mm. Uh, but that's not to say that we're always conscious of being present. Mm. Now, we've discussed Gurdjieff before, George Gurdjieff, the Russian philosopher and mystic, who emphasized the importance of being present. He felt that people who are not conscious of being present are, in fact, what he called asleep, as opposed to those who are consciously present and therefore awake. Mm -hmm. And he called this wakefulness self-remembering. Okay. That's a really interesting distinction. So he's talking about asleep versus awake and unconscious versus conscious. But does this really apply to most of us? Um, I know there's a difference between sleeping usually at night and being awake usually during the day. Um, and if we're awake and not necessarily conscious all the time of being present, uh, what, what difference does it make? Yeah, it's, I guess the difference is the self-consciousness of being present. Mm -hmm. In yoga, we call this witness consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're aware of what is happening, then you can direct and moderate your behavior. But if you're completely unaware of what's going on, what's happening in your context, then everything is left to chance. And then the possibility exists that you may later regret what's transpired. So it's really all a matter, all a matter of awareness, it seems. So what if you're in flow as the psychologist that, in fact, we spoke about last week uh, called Mihai Chiz Chizek Mihai describes it? Um, 
the state of ease and coherence, which enables us to operate with optimal efficiency and proficiency. Yeah. Yeah, look, the flow state is a beautiful balancing act, isn't it? Oh, yeah. On the one hand, yeah, you're being, you're being transported effortlessly by your enthusiasm and inspiration. And then on the other hand, you're aware of what's happening at the same time. It demands a very light touch. Yep. If you become overly anxious or assertive or try and control and dictate, uh, it becomes strained and you drop out of that state, which is mm. really what I would call a, a state of grace. And if you blank out completely, then you lose touch with your surroundings and you could be courting disaster. Hmm. Um, Alan Watts, who uh, he's, he's the late theologian and writer, uh, has addressed these issues and he addresses the issue of control. And he reminds us that even if we attend to something, uh, we're also surrendering the control of our vital bodily functions, our heartbeat, our liver functions, and so on. And he describes what happens um, when we drive somewhere and at the same time focus on a conversation with someone who's accompanying us in the car. Mm. Uh, obviously, we're also not aware, consciously aware of our heartbeat or our blood flow. Mm. But what's interesting is we're not even really uh, aware or consciously aware of driving. We allow that function to occur without focusing on it uh, with our total attention. Mm. And that enables us to attend to a conversation at the same time, uh, <clears throat> as we stop at a traffic light and, and uh, make sure that no one's run over. Yeah, this is so, actually, uh, if I may interrupt you, this is really interesting. Sure. In fact, I find myself doing that, and I, as I think everybody does who, who drives a car or, or is doing something, for example, sitting in a train as well. And I find myself when I'm in a car, uh, I only sort of wake up uh, to driving when something out of the ordinary is happening in front of me. So it's only when something that's not usual or not routine happens that I sort of wake up. Yeah, it's true. And in fact, Watts, when he talks about this, says that this is the reason it's good to be trained in something because if you're well trained, if you know how to drive well, uh, you can leave the driving to your background attention. Mm. Uh, whereas if you're just a beginner, um, you can't. And what you're telling me is if uh, something that happens, uh, a car careens in front of you, uh, all of a sudden you, your total focus, yeah. uh, your primary focus is on that incident because it's, it's disturbed. Yeah, uh, I become back actual, to present. Yeah, I go back, back to, to present. present. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and those that, that study the philosophy of Gurdjieff um, and become students of his methodology and which, practices. Which you are. In fact, you have been. I have been. Yes, I was. I was for six years. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're said to enter the Gurdjieff work. Mm -hmm. And in the Gurdjieff work, uh, we're given exercises to practice on a daily basis in order to encourage and support the awareness of, of, of um, everything we're talking about. Mm. And this awareness has a dual nature. On the one hand, it's being present, and on the other hand, it's retaining focus on and attention to a specific task in hand. And that's why I consider it really a delicate balancing act. Mm. Um, I remember one exercise that we were given, we were given so many different exercises, but one which illustrates this is asks or demands that we, when we walk, we go up and go about our business at the same time of, of walking, uh, we remain aware of the sky or the space above us. Mm -hmm. Now, this is very difficult to do because if we focus solely on what's above us or the sky, we lose sight of, of 
what it is we're wishing to attend to. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if we only attend to the task, we drop out of our awareness of, of, of the sky and actually our awareness of being consciously present. Wow, that sounds like a really difficult exercise. Um, I wonder if people who can multitask are maybe better adapted to doing that sort of thing. That's interesting. Okay, well, um, we can get into that. Why, why do you say that? Well, what you're talking about, so attending to the sky or what is above us at the same time as focusing on what we're doing, it really seems to be a form of multitasking. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, for a long time, people said, oh, women are really good at it. <laughs> and men are not, uh, <laughs> uh, particularly women with children, because they, they'll be juggling a job, running a household. Um, there was a new study recently published by a magazine called PLOS One, mm-hmm. Plus One, mm-hmm. which shows actually that okay, women are no actually better than men. Are no better. Are no better. No, no better. Oh, yeah, okay. Are no right. better. Aha! But, That's me news to a lot of men <laughs> and a lot of women, I reckon. <laughs> and and in fact, they 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 go into it even deeper. They say that you know multitasking is the act of performing several independent tasks within a short time. Yeah. And it requires uh, uh, rapidly and frequently switching attention from one task to the other and increasing the, the cognitive demand compared to simply completing one task uh, or single tasks in sequence. Yeah. Now, this study builds on an existing body research showing that actually human brains or brains cannot manage multiple activities at once, hmm. particularly when, when two tasks are similar, they compete to use the same part of the brain which makes multitasking very difficult. Is, um, is, that, so, if, yeah. is that, if we go back to the uh, simile of driving a car and talking to somebody, I would imagine that there we're using two different parts of the brain. So we're using the yes. automatic driving the car bit, and then we're using the talking to somebody else bit. bit. Yes, exactly. And we'll come back to that a little bit uh, later on, because mm-hmm. um, I like to talk about that. That's true, because that, that's why, in fact, multitasking, as people like to think of it, is, is impossible, because it's, it, it means that you're using the same part of the brain uh, for two different tasks simultaneously, mm. and that mm-hmm. doesn't work. No. Um, I mean, the human brain is good at switching between activities quickly. Well, I think the uh, younger you are... The younger you are, the better you are at it, probably. <laughs> yeah. So it makes people feel like they're multitasking. Yeah. But, but actually, the brain is, is just working uh, on one project at a time. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, when, when, you, when you're in flow, it could be a situation like driving a car, talking to someone mm. next to you. You're not really multitasking. Mm. You're allowing yourself to operate on a balanced split consciousness level. Hmm. which focuses on a particular task, but not not forego awareness, which Alan Watts attributes to background functions, such as your heart beating or, 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 yes, driving a car. Yeah, yeah, not easy at all. In fact, uh, when I'm teaching about time management, I often teach about, I talk about multitasking. And when I ask um, my students, the participants in the course, uh, how many of you multitask on a daily basis? Of course, they all raise their hands um, because we have this different idea of what multitasking really is. Yeah. And one of the things I say is that the more you really think you're multitasking, the more you try and make your brain do two or more things at a time, the more tired your brain is going to get 
because it um, it's switching between the tasks so rapidly yes. that it gets really, really tired. And that's where, you know, you go home at night after work and you just feel exhausted because your brain has just been overworked all day. So let's get back to, to the balance uh, and flow. Now, you were saying you allowing yourself to operate on a balanced split consciousness level, uh, which, which focuses on a particular task and also allows you to do background stuff like your heart beating or driving a car, pretty useful things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this balance is not easy to achieve. Now, what if we don't live in this balanced way? We just say, well, we can't do this. Uh, is, would that be a problem? Well, yeah, and you know, it's interesting where Watson really talks about the fact that you surrender control to either your bodily functions or vital functions and so on that you're not consciously controlling. It would mm. drive you crazy if you were. Mm. But also, that's where he talks about being well-trained. People who are ballet dancers, are people who do martial arts for many years, mm -hmm. uh, people who learn how to drive a car well. Um, that becomes a background function, very much like the liver or the heart. And therefore, you don't have to drive yourself crazy uh, focusing on it. But, you know, to a large extent, we spend our lives searching for peace, joy, fulfillment. We look for it in different ways. Accomplishments, uh, relationships, experiences we have, material possessions. Mm -hmm. um, and we do that by focusing on things which are external to us. We review uh, how we have performed and, and what we've accomplished in the past and we plan and, and, and project ourselves in the future. In doing so, we're basically leaking energy into the past and the future. It's mm. not so much um, uh, a question of wasting time. It's a question of wasting the present, <laughs> that we mm. could be focusing on the present by avoiding it. Mm. I like that. So can we say that the best way to experience and really savor life is to live it moment by moment? and as much as possible not to revisit the past or try to predict the future? Yeah, uh, very much so, exactly. I remember years ago being on a budget committee and uh, making a six months projection in the future. Mm -hmm. um, we, we were doing this with people who were very precise, very proud of their ability to do that. Nonetheless, six months later, the projections didn't correspond to current circumstances. Mm. The world had changed. The budget turned to be method. Now, a lot of these people, very precise A-type personality people, were disappointed. But in fact, they're just not, they were not being fair to themselves because at the time we made our projections, they all made sense. Hmm. The world had simply changed in a way which we could not possibly foresee. Yeah, well, just think of the COVID situation we've had. I mean, nobody could really have predicted yeah. uh, two years ago in the autumn of 2019 what would happen in early 2020 and how the next year and a half would pan out. I mean, it really shows us that the present moment is all that we have. So Mason, do you have any other exercises we can do that would help us stay in the present moment? Look, I, you know, I'm thinking you are really a proponent of living as much as possible in a state of flow. Mm. So I'd, I'd like to, you know, put that back to you uh, because it's such a beautiful, beautiful stake. Remind us what it's like and how we can hope to obtain it. Well, 
we spoke about this in the last episode we talked about. Um, it's yeah. absolutely a state of joy. It's absolutely beautiful. And when you're in this state, it's effortless. Um, the example I gave was when I'm teaching, um, when I'm giving a training course and I've done all my preparations. I have mm. done everything I can to understand the course, know the course. Normally I've written the course. Um, yeah. And so that means that when I actually get into the classroom, if it's online or of course in a, in a real classroom, uh, then it's easy for me. And if it's something I'm comfortable with, then I get into this amazing state of just being in the present moment, moment of time. And I forget what I have to say, I forget all the difficulties, I just, it just flows. And I'm thinking only of what's happening in the now, reacting to people and giving them the information and the stories and the way I want to convey the information in what seems like the right words at the time. Now, Another example would be, um, you know, Mason, that one of my really big hobbies is shooting. It's one of my passions, actually, mm. is shooting, uh, pistol yeah. shooting, so target yeah. shooting, uh, both 25 meters and, and 50 meters. And it's something that I absolutely love doing. And there as well, I have found, I find now that I'm getting into flow because I practice a lot and um, when I then get into a competition or in a situation where I really have to perform, then I stop thinking. I just stay in the present moment. It's like my all my thinking and worry mind just switches off. And all I'm concentrating on, focusing on is the target, my posture, the pistol, <laughs> the timing, because of course there's yeah. always a timing involved in the competitions. Yeah. And however many shots are going off around me and they're loud, you know, and of course I've got ear earphones on and don't hear them very much. However, you still hear the shots around you. Uh, I get into a situation where I don't hear what's going on outside me. I really just stay in the present moment and focused. And again, it's the same thing. It, it gives this real joy and presence. So um, I would, those two examples for me are really, really relevant. And it's something that I would actually suggest that everybody finds something that they're passionate about, something that they love doing, that they then can use to get into flow. It could be anything. It could be walking or gardening or, I don't know, talking with a friend. It doesn't really matter what it is, as long as it allows you to hook into the present moment and, and stay there for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that is, look, it's really magnificent. Um, and that's what it's all about. Mm. So to borrow a concept from yoga, um, we, I mean, this is something I know well, we should live in such a way as to have intentions, but without setting goals, which are likely to frustrate or mm. disappoint us because the future will not correspond to the rigid ideas we have that we projected. Yep. Um, but um, we should remain diligent as well as vigilant, but then relax mm. 
and enjoy the spontaneity of the present moment. Yep. Um, and uh, in that way, we'll be optimally productive and efficient because we'll be doing something we love, uh, something we know, and uh, we will feel totally at ease and comfortable and at the same time, completely present. Absolutely. So, Mason, I think the takeaway from our discussion today is really to live as much as possible in the present. Of course, knowing we can't live totally in the present, we're always uh, hooking our minds back to the past or wondering or planning for the future. Um, But be present in flow whenever we can. And that, I think, can really help us find this peace and joy and fulfillment that you were talking about and that we're constantly searching for. Yeah, and in fact, actually, Christine, think about it. Um, When you're in flow, when you're shooting or you're you're, uh, in flow because you're talking to to public and so on, um, you're not reminiscing, are you? And you're not projecting about the future and and, uh, you're, you're really in the present. It just it's it and it, it is totally comfortable to be in the pleasant in the present. Yes, it is. So this yes, idea is. of flow is, is is really very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's really nice. I really enjoyed our chat today, Mason. And I hope, Thank of you. course, that our listeners will enjoy it too. So uh, I think all we have to do now is to say goodbye and I wish you a good rest of the day. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. You've been listening to A Toolkit for a Better Life, produced by Christine Peterson. For more information and details on how to contact us, please see the podcast description.